everybody, and welcome to the 10th episode, the 10th episode of the ABXY cast on this Monday, February 28th. Joining me today is a betting man with a gambling addiction. It is Chase. <laughs> Oi. <laughs> don't don't lend him money he will gamble it away oh why gamble. <laughs> listen I, I i know things i know things all right well if you would like to know i lost about 120 last night on poker uh i've lost about maybe like 50 bucks in sports betting this week and i lost 200 last week at the casino yeah. So you know what? I think I'm done gambling. Yeah, you probably should stop before it before it's too late and you can't. Very you can't true. Stop. I mean, so. you know, when you turn 21, you have to you have to use your ID somewhere for a little bit. True, true. I I just use mine at the bar because that's the way it is. Boring, boring, boring. Sure. Spice Whatever. of your life. Whatever. Lose some money. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, this is the tenth episode officially double digits. We made it. Um, this is the, I don't even know what episode, this is what the fourth episode, seven, eight, yes. nine, ten. 10, the fourth episode we've done since we rebooted, remastered, uh, re-envisioned. Um, I, we never talked about it, but we have new intro music. I just realized this the other day that we've had it for, this is the third episode we have new intro music and not once have we acknowledged that it's there. So I hope y'all enjoy that because- it's nice. It's nice it's a, intro music. It's a change from the last one. It is Before a change. Before I was here. Yeah, it is a change from the... Whew. I mean, it was free. That was the difference. And you can you can tell. But the, the new music is much better. Uh, and I'm glad that we much, have something that sounds a little bit more professional. It, it sounds like a video game podcast. Yes, it does. It does. Uh, it's been a slow week. Um yes. It's been a very slow week. Uh, this week kind of got chopped in half. Um, you had uh, the first half of the week where stuff was happening. And then Elden Ring came out. Uh, the, not came out, but the reviews dropped. And that kind of took over the world for a day. Uh, and then some shit happened in the real world um, that I feel we probably should address. Now, we are recording this on Friday um, the 25th. We usually record the Friday or Saturday before the the release on Mondays. So we are a little bit behind. Um, however, a couple days ago, uh, the Russians invaded the Ukraine. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'm not going to go into like full on details of what happened. This is obviously not the time or place for that kind of conversation. Um, we have uh, linked some resources on the ABXY Twitter account. Um, so if you go to twitter.com slash abxycast, you'll see some links where you can donate, um, find ways you can help the people of Ukraine. And um, I know that my heart, my heart, my thoughts go out uh, to the people of Ukraine. And uh, I, I would just say, give them hell. Give them hell. Um, it's uh, definitely put a damper on the week, though, for sure. Yeah. Um, so, but again, uh we are recording this a couple of days before you'll hear it, so a lot can happen. A lot has happened in the last 48 hours. A lot could happen in the next 72 hours before this podcast goes live, so uh, I don't want to comment on any specifics of what's going on. But again, um, it's a horrible situation. It's um, a terrible, 
terrible violation of of you know human rights and i just hope that uh i hope that the world steps up and does something i really do yeah you can't really allow that to happen um so no segue we're just going to go straight into um what games we've been playing this week uh now me i've been working and then obsessed with the television after all that happened so really didn't get a chance to play a lot this week i did get a chance to play a little bit of horizon forbidden west which was the game that i was going to play um not enough to really fully comment on the experience. I'm going to save that for next week when I'm able to put a little bit more time in. Um, but I did get about three hours in, so I did get the Reach the Daunt trophy that they have for you to um, uh, plant those trees. So I've I've saved some trees, folks. I feel you saved really some trees. I saved some trees. At least, at least that's a good thing. Yes, it is a good thing. Um, the game is absolutely gorgeous. Um, it is like jaw droppingly good looking, um, in the 30 FPS quality mode, um, which is what I'm playing it in, which I was shocked. Um, I thought I'd go in and jump into the 60 FPS mode. Cause that's what I've been playing pretty much every game on PlayStation five at. Um, but I will say that the 60 FPS mode in this game is a little underwhelming, um, has some pretty distracting graphical issues. Like if you're standing still, it looks good. Kind of like what I said last week about Horizon Zero Dawn. When you're standing still, the game looks really, really good. But the one, once you start moving, some of the limitations and constellations that they made to kind of get that game running and looking as good as it does um, start to become apparent. Um, in the 60 FPS mode, uh, you start to see some of that, um, with some visual breakup, shimmering, fuzziness, some blurriness. Um, the game runs pretty smoothly at 60 frames per second. It doesn't seem to waver from that. Um, some of the issues in that game have been described by Gorilla as bugs. So, um, once they kind of address it, maybe I'll try it again, see if they fix some of that. Um, because I would like to play that game at 60 FPS. Hmm. Um, but the 30 FPS mode uh, just doesn't have any of those visual issues. Um, and it is lock solid at 30. And so it takes a little bit of adjustment, but um, I'm kind of getting there to where I, I I notice it, but it doesn't break me. Is there any, like, uh, like as you're exploring the world, they just, like, randomly pop in, like the enemies? Um, no. Sometimes? So the pop-in seems to be well-managed. Um, in this in this game um not so i haven't been able to notice anything uh, there's still some mm. graphical glitches like i've noticed that like some of the ambient occlusion and the reflections there's still screen space effects so depending on how close to the edge of the screen that is or if there's something occluding it it can cause some some glitches i've noticed some like shadow flickering and a couple other graphical glitches but nothing as like in your face obvious as oh there's that zip line and i can see the start and end of it and half the rope nothing quite as obvious as that um but again i'm only like three hours in so i just got to the daunt um and uh, we'll see what the game looks like how the game plays so far there's some surprisingly fundamental changes to how the gameplay works Mm -hmm. from the first game so in the first game the focus that Aloy has, you know, so she can kind of the scan the environment thing was you clicked in, 
you know, the right stick or however you brought it up. I can't remember exactly what button it was now because I'm used to Forbidden West. Um, but you brought it up and it was this very like deliberate thing where you could see the, you know, your character slowed down. She held her hand up to her ear and you saw the environment in a specific way. Um, well, now there's two kind of states. So if you click the right stick, you kind of get that pulse that a lot of open world games have now to like highlight interactable objects and resources and things like that. So you don't have to constantly either have those markers in the real world, which is what Zero Dawn did, where you just constantly had resource markers everywhere while you're playing. Um, you don't have that anymore. You click it in, it pulses it out. Um, and then you have the more deliberate, like click and hold. It brings up the traditional focus thing for scanning like data logs and audio logs and, and for scanning the enemies to see their weak points. One thing you can do in this game that you couldn't do in zero dawn is you can now, um, in addition to tagging enemies and like highlighting their pathing, you can also tag specific parts, like specific, um, parts of the of the enemy that you want to target so if you have a particular component or piece of the enemy that is weak to a specific kind of arrow or a specific kind of attack and you want to target that specific item so you kind of know where it is while you're fighting you can do that which is really helpful for me um because there's a there's a lot of like each individual enemy that you come across each individual machine has a lot of complexity in terms of what you can target um it's kind of like fallout system uh not really like fallout it's more like if you hit them here with this kind of ammo or this kind of uh status effect it will cause extra damage Mm -hmm. um and then you have like chain reactions so if you hit a certain thing with a certain type of element it'll basically cause a train reaction that causes them to take like a massive amount of damage and you still have the ability to like knock things off of the end of the of the machine so like if the machine has a giant gun on it that can shoot at you if you target that gun you can knock it off and then you can go pick it up and shoot them with it right um so you still have that but it makes it easier to be able to target those things when you can kind of keep an eye on where they are versus trying to have to constantly scan it to get them all to highlight and then aim for them Mm -hmm. um you start out with concentration where you can slow down time while you're aiming you know, crafting is a little bit more um, deliberate where you can kind of, there's a, a quick crafting menu to jump in so you don't have to do it uh, in the actual game menu, but you can do it while you're playing, which is nice. Um, healing is much more refined. So in the original game, you had like medicinal herbs and it was kind of like a, you filled up a meter and you could stack that meter a few times. And then when, every time you would use it, it would just fill your health up to maximum um, or fill up however much healing herbs you had. And then you had your potions for like faster healing and all that. Well, now the, the healing herbs, you kind of have a stack. So it's no, so each one fills up a certain percentage and you can kind of increase that through skills. Um, and you can hold a certain number of them. So it's no longer like a bar that you have to keep track of. You just know, Hey, I'm going to do this. And then potions are rebalanced so that they, heal you instantly to full um but they can also overheal you um so if you are in a situation where maybe you need some extra health you can pop a health potion to overheal yourself um and get some bonuses that way so they've made some changes to the gameplay that i really really like some of the traversal mechanics are are adjusted um but again i'm only three hours in so i don't really have yeah. the full knowledge to comment on it but uh, so far 
they've made some really smart changes that I, I really, really like. And the game is just super, super pretty. It looks clean. It looks mm. Mm. very clean. It runs at, it runs at native 4K, I think, in that 30 FPS mode. Um, so it looks really sharp. Um, so I hope they fix that 60 FPS mode, though, because combat in 60 FPS is just so much better, so much easier um, versus 30 FPS. So I really hope they fix it because as sharp as it is, I would trade some of that sharpness for that extra fluidity. But right now, at least, the visual degradation of switching to that 60 FPS mode is by far and away the most noticeable out of any game I've played on PlayStation five so far. So, um, like I played her, I played, uh, miles Morales. at 60 FPS and I toggled between the 30 FPS mode and the 60 FPS mode, Mm -hmm. you know, multiple times trying to tell the difference. And other than like slightly better hair rendering, I mentioned this in, uh, in one of the episodes we did slightly better hair rendering, um, the shadows were a little bit crisper and then reflections and stuff were higher resolution. Um, but other than that, like I didn't even notice that the performance ray tracing mode was running at like 1440 P and then being like temporarily boosted to 4k. Whereas the 30 FPS mode was running at native 4k. I couldn't tell while playing um, this game. I can tell there's some con there, there's some cuts. I can, I can tell. Um, so I hope they fix that because I would like to play the game at 60 for sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, if I had a PlayStation, I'd play it. I'd give it a shot, but I'm sure, you know, it'll take another year and a half until PC gets the rights. Well, I mean, it was, I think three, it was three. It was three years for the first game. Three years for the first game. I will see you guys in 2025 when I give a good review on, uh, (laughs) Horizon Forbidden West. I I hope that it doesn't take that long for the PC version to come. I hope that there's, but uh, but I don't know what their strategy is for that. Yeah. You know, because there's definitely an element of we're bringing these games to PC so that people want to buy the PlayStation and play the sequel. There's an element of that. So I don't, I don't really know if they're going to be like, oh, well, we're going to bring it to PC a a year or, you know, a year, year and a half after yeah. Um, or are they going to wait until like they've announced Horizon Three and then be like, okay, we're bringing the second game to PC now? Cool. Um, I hope it's not that long for your sake because it's a great cool. game. Episode two hundred. I'll leave you guys a review on Horizon <laughs> Forbidden West. <laughs> it, would, it would be around there. It would be it would be between like one fifty and two hundred for sure. Around there, we'll be covering how I finally get the chance to play Horizon Forbidden West, and I will let you guys know when I get the Reach the Daunt trophy. Yeah. <laughs> you, you won't be planting any trees by that point, though. Oh, my. It's yeah. not even worth it. Yeah, no. You, you won't be helping the environment if you get it in three years. Um, so while I've been playing a new game that came out in the last few uh, last week, uh, you've been playing some older games, I see. I have. Uh, so So what have you been playing, my dude? I well, <clears throat> majority of the week I've been playing 2K, so kind of like didn't Madden. you dog on that last week or yes, the week I, before? I, I did, I did, and I will still dog on it today. It is a horrible, horrible, horrible game. It is, in my eyes, from a sports lover, the ultimate time killer. That's all the game is. 
Okay. So just like Madden, all the other game modes besides the league where you control one team throughout like the future, that is the only one that is not pay to win. So that, that's the only one I've been playing. And, and even that game mode, after so many years... It, since it's a simulation of like rookies getting drafted and then getting better and better, they're wanting more money. And then the the salary system mm-hmm. is completely out of whack because as as you move into the future, rookies are wanting more money, but 2K hasn't made it to where you can raise the salary. Yeah. You can either make no salary cap, which is limitless and there's no point to play because it's like putting on cheats, mm-hmm. or you can leave it as it is tweak the settings a little bit and it's still almost unplayable because you can't pay anybody. <laughs> so keep in mind, this is, this is like almost 20 years, 20 seasons into the future. So, so all the, like today's players, all their contracts are burnt out and all the new people are coming up and now everybody just wants a crazy amount of money. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, other than it's just an, it's just a simulation of seasons. It's, it's a great time killer, but other than that, because you know I had to get away from some two K. Some friends yeah. wanted to play some Tarkov. Okay, how did that, that go? I can imagine that went really well. Can that imagine. game is ass. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I dogged on it a few episodes ago, but I I still said I'll probably be playing it. This is yes. the episode I say I'm gonna dog on it. And I'm not going to be playing it. I will not play that game by myself. I will play it if a friend offers. It's a it's a fun game with friends. Yeah, that's it. I, I yep. I'm done. <laughs> After what is this episode? Even four? Get started. This is the fourth episode we've done that we've talked about Tarkov. Yeah. Yeah. So fifth episode won't even Tarkov won't come up. I promise you. Unless I'm playing you, it, I'm going to hold you to that. I'm going to hold, hold you to that. Hold me to it. That game. I'm so tired of the the stupid little mechanics. Like there's so many little controls. It, for example, you want to you want to hold a lean to the left where your character is leaning and it's just locked in place. Like you don't have to constantly hold it. Alt A. But if you don't want to constantly hold it, you hold Q. Easy to remember. That's just a small 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 example of the hundreds of controls that that game has. I'm I'm not learning all that. I've thrown in the towel. I'll play it with a friend or two. That's about it. Man. And then uh after Tarkov, I started playing Dying Light again. Game was I've never played Dying Light before, so considering that it's a it's kind of like diving into a new game. The I love the the mechanics. I love how when you you click the left bumper, well, I'm playing on controller because I enjoy like you know, kind of like the arcade style of the zombie game. Yeah, but I love playing. Uh, I use controller, and I just left bumper sprint through the map. It's 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 a beautiful map. Uh, nighttime is difficult, which I like. I like that. That at night, it's since it's a zombie game, it's supposed to be more difficult than the day. You're just kind of parkouring, building the building, 
and then at night it it creates this all the zombies come out and yeah it's just i love it dying light's great drop kick changes game drop kick does change the game for drop sure drop kick changes the game when i unlock drop- that it's it's early on too i didn't realize cuz when we talked about it a few episodes ago, I didn't know that it was a very early on thing. You described it as a late game. That yeah. is, I was going building the building, the building, and I just drop kick a zombie off the building or something, and then just parkour my way out. The game is yeah. fun. Drop kick changes the game for sure. In that, um, I when you when I got the drop kick, it was like okay, this this is a whole new game, like yeah, um, whole new game. Yeah, that, for sure. And I've I've enjoyed. I haven't gone too too far on Dying Light currently, but from what I've seen and from what I've been playing, it mm-hmm. reminds me of uh, Dead Island. Yeah, it, it's very much like a parkour Dead Island, and I I grew up loving Dead Island. So, if I'm not mistaken, I think it is the same people. Yes. So. Yeah, you should. Yeah. It should be a little bit like Dead Island in that case, but it's way more like polished compared to yes Dead Island. it yeah. is it is but yeah I'm, I'm probably not gonna lie once i beat this first one probably gonna move to the second one yeah no i'm i'm still the performance issues seem to still be there to an extent um so i'm, I'm kind of waiting for those to get ironed out yeah um plus there's you know a lot of games coming out but i do plan on jumping into yeah. it um, so I see in here that you're, you're planning on doing some achievement hunting. I am. So just, I, I do tell cause <laughs> I, I am, I'm what do you call an accidental platinumer, um, on PlayStation where like I have a handful of platinum trophies from games I've gotten hundred percent of the achievements on, but I never went into them with the intention of getting a hundred percent. It was just something that either happened because I felt like playing the game to completion anyway or mm-hmm. you just through the act of playing the game i got the platinum right well my my whole mindset of changing my play style to achievement hunt i've tried different play styles like i think i think about three weeks ago i started trying to speed run some games with some uh-huh. uh, mutual friends and to me, that it it was kind of boring because you're just kind of spamming everything and running there, killing it, spamming everything. You're just you're just trying to get through the game as quick as possible. Yeah, I like with achievement hunting, like the developers set, well, whoever sets the achievements. But uh, I like that you have to go in, and you can play the game normally, but you you may miss a few things here and there. So I'm I'm gonna go into some games since I'm playing 2K. I'm, I I figured I'd start with 2K. I'm going to go into 2K, try to get all the achievements. I may not because I was looking at some of them and you it's pay to win on some of them. Either I have to grind like 20 hours to get the achievement or yeah. I can just pay to get the achievement basically. Yeah. So as a backup, I'm doing, since I'm currently playing Dying Light and I'm playing it through, I might as well just play it through to completion. Yeah. So I, that's kind of... That's kind of my whole goal. I'm playing Dying Light with a few friends, so if if they happen to not want to do that, I may just go back and just knock out some of the achievements that I missed out on. Yeah. But, 
yeah, I'm, I feel like it's gonna be it's gonna be a different change to playing some video games. Yeah, no, it's it d- d- uh, achievement hunting is definitely something that um you uh you have to deliberately like go in with the intention of doing. Yeah. Um, I mean, I played Dying Light recently with with Matt, and I got about forty percent of the achievements. I got thirty three out of seventy eight um, of them by playing that game, and I wasn't even trying to get them. Yeah, that's that's another reason um, I put it. it. Feels like an easy game to get the achievements. Yeah, so I feel like if I had done the um, the DLC and gone in and done some of the other stuff like there's definitely some stuff you've got to go in and try to do yeah um but like some stuff you'll get accidentally and like there's one i wish that i had gotten but i didn't get it but i it, it's if you stick a, a a burning zombie on spikes you get the barbecue achievement um <laughs> so i uh, i didn't get that one cuz i never uh put a zombie on spikes that was on fire. I have plenty of zombies that I spiked, but um, none of them that caught fire. Yeah, well, so I mean, some of them will be kind of difficult. And like, I was looking through them, and one of them's like complete five quests in yeah. a co-op game with um, three partners. Yeah, yeah that, that requires one... other people to help out. Yes. Yeah. So I'd have to hunt down people to want to do that. Yeah. Which I'm sure there's there's some page or maybe some Reddit that I could just be like, hey, help me get this achievement. But well, if you leave your game on public. Um, that's technically you, still counts? Uh, well, so no. But if you leave it on, on public instead of switching it to private or invite only, um, you could have somebody that just match makes in with you. And then you could run a couple of missions. And then once you've got that achievement, kick them and set the game to private. Well, it'd have to be with three other people. So three more people. Oh, you need, to, yes. You need four people total. Yes. Four okay. people total. And all four of us has to do five quests together. The same okay, four well, people. Good luck with that because yes. <laughs> um, in the entire time that me and Matt played, I left it on public uh, for a handful of time. I don't remember exactly how long, but we had one person jump in. Oh, my. So you, you may have to find some people who are willing to jump in and do some quests. I may just leave that one uncompleted. 99%. Yeah. The 99% yeah. completionist. Yeah. Well, try to do this one. Kill an enemy with a wrench using vault followed by a drop attack. Um, And that is your Italian plumber. Oh. That is is your Mario achievement. So, yeah, you got stuff like that where you have to, like, actually go and do it. Um, But for the most part... Yeah. You'll get a good chunk of them just by playing the game. Yeah, for the most part, it seems... Some of them seem, like, super, super, super easy. Like, some of them are just getting two ranks, which is, as long as you play the game, you'll eventually get that achievement. Yeah. Kill your first infected. That's easy. Craft your mm-hmm. first item. Some of them are just yep. handed to you. Yeah, some of them... Yeah, a lot of them are, actually. Yeah. A lot of them are story or quest-based. Um so, but yeah, so it's been a light week for games, really. It has. 
I, I wish I had more time to play games this week. I really, really wanted to go hard into Forbidden West. I got caught up trying, you know, going back and playing Zero Dawn um, last week uh, before jumping in to Forbidden West. I would have had more time if I didn't do that. Right. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, it was um, it was a good week for sure. So well, now we can jump into the news. The news. The news. And again, this week was kind of cut unarbitrarily in half. So, um, yeah. What do we have first up on the platter? Well, we have the Elden Ring. Ooh. So the Elden Ring uh, has arrived. It has. Uh, the The reviews have dropped. Um, the uh, it is currently on Open Critic tied for second place among the highest rated games of all time. Um, it is tied with Red Dead Two, Grand Theft Auto Five, and Zelda Breath of the Wild. Have you played uh, it? So. I have not played it. No, I haven't even oh, bought it. I have not bought it either. Um, like I like I have said, um, Souls games are not my forte. Um, I find them frustrating and uh, difficult. And my roommate bought it. Well, let me rephrase. I bought it for him for his birthday. And uh, he started playing it last night. And I watched him play a little bit of it. And um, it looks really, really good um visually uh it, it performance is awful oh the, the amount of lag and just stuttering that he had uh they I, I wouldn't buy it until that's fixed myself because that would make playing it even more difficult than it already is it's bad. um it's it's really bad like because it's not consistent as far as when those lag spikes happen uh-huh. so you'll just be running along and then all of a sudden it'll kind of stutter and then you'll like shoot ahead because the game you know the game logic's still running yeah. it's just your you know your frames aren't aren't catching up um so there's a lot of that and um but yeah it's it it looks very different you can jump um which is new for a souls game that is new you can sneak. Uh, which is new for a Souls game. It's open world, um, so you can go anywhere, do anything. There's crafting, there's you know resource gathering, um, but uh, it still looks and feels like a Souls game to me. In that it looks surprisingly difficult and frustrating. Um, yes, it does look difficult, just, just as usual. Um, I will say there is an optional um, cave of knowledge dungeon at the very beginning of the game, which is basically like a tutorial um, that you can drop down and do. It's completely optional. If you want to skip it, you can. Um, But that is kind of a big deal for me because I feel like one of the biggest problems with the Dark Souls games is just a lack of any sort of like there's no difficulty curve. So it's just straight out the gate. Bam. Mm -hmm like get fucked so having a tutorial dungeon that is optional so that people can skip it if they don't want to do it because they think it you know demeans their existence um but for people like me who maybe want that little bit of time to get familiar with how the game works uh that option is there which i feel like good especially for a souls game yeah and the open world nature also presents its own kind of accessibility uh solution which is that if i'm grinding up against a boss and i'm having a hard time with it 
I can just go do something else. Like I can just run in the other direction. Um, and there's a map so you can see, you know, the entire world and there, you can put markers on it and there's a compass that kind of tells you where to go. And so there's a little less of that. I don't know what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Um, so I may give it a shot eventually. Um, but I have other games I want to play right now and it's not really at the top of my list. So I will wait on it myself, but it certainly seems to be getting a lot of praise. Yes. The only thing bad that I've heard about the game is the performance. Same thing that you mm-hmm. just choppy, laggy. But other than that, I've I've heard nothing about how I mean it's it's a beautiful game. It's I mean it's basically just Dark Souls. Except yeah. open world. Yeah, absolutely. Um which is it's a combination I didn't really think that I uh would be drawn to. And there does it. There is some hooks that I that I could see. Like, okay, yeah, no. There's an exploration aspect that's a bit more prominent here. Yeah. Um. I think most of the reviews have said that this is Dark Souls meets Breath of the Wild. Mm. Um. And Breath of the Wild is. You want to talk about a game that does not give you any direction? That is a game that does not give you any direction, and you just kind of go and do what you want to do. Right. Um. So kind of makes sense that when the Soulsborne genre opened into the open world, that that would be the the model that it followed. Yeah. Just open um, world. Yeah. So Matt will be on either next week or the week after to give us his like full-blown thoughts on that game because he's going to be playing it. So Yes. I may, um, I may give it one more... One more week and see. Maybe not next episode, but the episode after that, I may yeah. have it by then. Yeah, just to kind of see. Yeah, just to see what all the talk is about. I mean, considering it is a game of the year candidate, I feel like I kind of have to give it a chance. Yeah. But... For sure. Yes. Um, Moving right along here, some big breaking news from this past week. It came out at the very beginning of the week. What a way to start. Um, Reportedly, this has not technically been confirmed, but it's pretty much probably the truth. Um, Call of Duty will finally, in 2023, miss a year for the first time since 2004. Finally. Much needed. Um... So it's an interesting it's an interesting choice for a year to skip. Uh, 2023 is the 20th anniversary of the franchise. Um, so on the one hand, you could totally skip that year and do some sort of in-game event to celebrate the 20th anniversary. Um, but I definitely would have thought that they would do something bigger. Um, but there will not be a mainline Call of Duty game in 2023. Um, so... I mean, I feel like that's great. Yeah, no, it's it's fantastic. Modern yeah. Warfare 2 will get two years of, of time. Treyarch will get more time to develop their next Call of Duty game. Yeah. Um, they're currently working on help, uh, developing or assisting development of a free-to-play online title for 2023 that is not Warzone-related. Um, there is no... There's some speculation that maybe Warzone 2 will kind of come out at the beginning of 2023, kind of like Warzone came out the beginning of 2020. Um, so 
that would technically be a new Call of Duty game in 2023 if they pushed it like that. Um, but yeah. I feel like that's great. I feel like it's... Maybe maybe if uh, EA and Take-Two sees this and the Call of Duty game you know, hits, maybe they'll start taking an extra year to develop their Madden and 2K games and their sports games. Because I feel like a lot of games that release annually definitely need that extra year yes for sure yeah it's the it's the same exact like it's the same thing that games every single year I, I will say call of duty at least changes it you know madden and 2k not to get off topic but madden 2k don't so maybe maybe if you know uh activision and Treyarch kind of show that in that extra year does help maybe ea and take two will follow suit yeah, d- definitely. I mean, the, the difference with Call of Duty is that, uh, you know, EA's sports games are pretty much developed by, you know, each game is developed by a specific studio. So there is a FIFA studio, there is a Madden studio, and uh, 2K is the same thing. You know, they have one studio that makes those games. With Call of Duty, you've always had multiple studios that have made games. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they are going through and, and making these games every year, but it's technically a different studio. So the development yeah. time has always been two or three years for each game. It's just that they were coming out every year. But the last couple of years, that's been totally fucked with. So uh, 2018 was, um, what was that? That was World War II, right? Um, oh, yes. No? Uh, maybe. I'm going to look it up. I think it might have been... Uh, okay, no, it was Black Ops 4. 2017 was World War II. Um, so Black Ops 4 was was 2018. And then Infinity... And that was Treyarch. Infinity Wards Modern Warfare was 2019. 2020 was supposed to be Sledgehammer. That would have been following the cadence that they had done for, for years. Um, you know, was Sledgehammer, Treyarch, Infinity Ward. Sledgehammer, Treyarch, Infinity Ward. So 2020 should have been Sledgehammer's game. And it technically was. Um, but due to an issue, um, with development, uh, of that game, Black Ops Cold War kind of got shoehorned in there. Um, so you had another Treyarch game two years after their last game and then sledgehammer did their game with vanguard um and now it's infinity ward again so i think that by not having to do a release every year you open up the runway to just be like all right infinity ward makes games and treyarch makes games we alternate every two years and then that gives them four years of development time for each game um, or three years of development time with one year to support the previous release. You know, so they get to do, you know, Modern Warfare 2 comes out this year. They get to spend an entire year working on extra content that'll come out over the next two years. And then they can jump into development on the next Call of Duty game and give themselves way more time to kind of get it where it needs to be. Right. And then Treyarch can do the same thing when they come out with the game and then, you know, have Sledgehammer kind of be like an assist studio, like, you know, with Raven and like, we'll, we'll help you make these games, but we're not going to take the lead on them. Right. So 
and definitely didn't think this would happen so soon though this is this is microsoft's choice since they just so this is it. not it's not this is not microsoft's choice this is oh. activision's choice so microsoft is not they haven't purchased them yet. the The deal hasn't gone through. In fact, just yesterday, I saw something about a Activision Blizzard shareholder has sued to prevent the merger. So we'll see what happens there. I doubt that'll actually stop it. But um, this is an Activision decision. That's not to say that Microsoft hasn't like said, "Hey, this is what we're going to do," and if you want to start it now, that would maybe be best for everybody. Right. Uh, but this was not a Microsoft saying. This is what we're doing. This was Activision going, hey, Vanguard wasn't as well received as it could have been. Um, it didn't sell as well as we wanted it to. And we think that the best course of action is to release Modern Warfare 2 this year and then take a break for a year and then come out with another one. So are they going to... They're going to take their break and then they're going to go back to releasing annually? Or are they going to follow in that same suit or you release break release break i hope it's release break release break um i, I think I hope that, so too yeah i think the franchise just needs to take that break yeah, like so too. once they take the break and they get on that cadence of every other year people will be fine with it i mean battlefield wasn't an annual franchise you know, which is part of the reason 2042 is such a huge like shocker at how bad it is, is because you don't you're not rushing these games out. You're taking three or four years between releases. So why is it that Battlefield 2042 is such a mess if you had this time to develop it? Yeah. Um, versus Call of Duty, it always made sense if it was a mess, and it never was. But if it was a mess, it made sense because they're pumping them out every year. Yeah. Um. But I think that if you go back to annual franchises that have taken breaks, you know, you go back to Assassin's Creed, which basically every year from Assassin's Creed 2 on had released a new a new entry. Assassin's Creed 2, Brotherhood, Revelations 3, Black Flag, Unity, uh, uh, Syndicate. Just one after the other, after the other, after the other. And then um, they took a break. For a year and came out with Origins, which completely rebooted the franchise, the series, and into a different gameplay style. And then the very next year, from a different studio, obviously, but for the very next year, you had Odyssey. Mm -hmm. And then they took another break and they released Valhalla. And then they took another break now, and we're kind of in this middle of what could potentially be a two plus year break for that franchise. So breaks aren't a bad thing. No, not at all. You know, I don't I don't understand like I get the idea of wanting to release a new entry in a franchise every year, but I think that's pushing it. Yeah. I, I you're not giving yourself the time you need to develop it, or you have to take this franchise and split it across multiple developers. And if you're splitting it across multiple developers, then you run into the problem of you know, well, this studio really understands this franchise and really makes games people like. This studio maybe doesn't fully understand this franchise, doesn't make the games that people want. You know, so you have that inconsistency in quality if you're trying not to make one studio pump out a game every year. Yeah. So, um, but with Call of Duty on the mind, um, you can now destroy cheaters. 
with your automatic god mode yes. um, in Call of Duty. So to battle cheating, um, Call of Duty has their own anti-cheat software now. It's called Ricochet. Uh, it's a kernel-level anti-cheat. Um, and basically, now it does something new that when it detects someone is cheating in your game, it basically makes their bullets not hurt you. Um, and huh. I've seen a lot of commentary on this. So there's a lot of people who are like, well, if it detects that they're cheating, why not just boot them from the game and ban them? Right. Right. And it, it makes sense that that would be the mindset that we have as players. But you have to remember that, especially in something like Warzone, Warzone is free to play. There is nothing stopping someone from spoofing their IP so that it looks like they're a different IP address um, and then creating a new account, launching the game in that new account and playing again. And that's kind of how cheaters roll. They know they're going to get banned over time. Um, So they just spoof their IP, create new accounts and the cycle continues. Yep. However, if all of a sudden they can't get that rush of killing everybody else because their bullets don't work, it doesn't matter how many times they spoof their IP or create new accounts. It's not going to result in them being able to kill people. It eliminates the thrill of cheating, which is a much better deterrent than just banning banning waves of players who are just going to come back and create new accounts. Yeah, I feel like it's great. Like I can actually hop on the Warzone and play it again. Yeah, which I'm going to be completely honest with you. I have played a lot of Call of Duty in between Modern Warfare, Cold War, and Warzone, and it could just be luck of. I mean, there's an element of luck here, obviously, but I have not run into the level of cheaters when I am playing that the internet has given me the perception that there are in that game. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if it's just when I'm playing or, or, or what, but I'm not experiencing the same level of detrimental um, cheating that these other players are experiencing. I do. I am curious. And this is going to sound elitist a little bit. I am curious how much of this rampant cheating is due to crossplay and controller players now having to play in the same lobbies as PC mouse and keyboard players. You think it looks like cheating, but it's just mouse and keyboard. And I think (laughs) it's a matter of you're playing against people who have, who are likely playing this game with a mouse and keyboard at, um, you know, 120, 144, 165, 200 FPS on monitors with an equivalent refresh rate. So they're seeing every single frame and you're playing at 60 frames per second on a controller. The PC versions of these games have uh, input latency settings that lets you reduce input latency even further beyond what the engine already does using things like NVIDIA reflex. The consoles don't have that. So you have all of these benefits on the PC side and then you're being bumped into lobbies with controller players because of crossplay. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and at the very least, I don't know if this is the case on Xbox. I know that it's a requirement on PlayStation as part of their, like, we're going to let you do crossplay, but a requirement is you, the players have to be able to turn it off if they don't want it. I've heard mixed reports on Xbox that some games have that toggle. Some games don't have that toggle. Whereas on PlayStation, it is a blanket. You have to have a toggle. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously you can go in and turn it off. If you don't want to play with those players, you are going to get the increased matchmaking times and all of the other things that come with that. But I do wonder, like, obviously there's cheaters. I'm not saying there's not, there's always cheaters in online first person shooters, both paid and free to play. And it's especially worse in free to play games because the barrier to entry for creating a new account is just so low. You don't have to buy the game again. Um, So how much of this is I'm playing against actual cheaters versus I'm playing against someone who has a mouse and keyboard and they have an unfair advantage because they're playing against someone who's using a controller and the there is an advantage there. I will be the first to tell you that I think the advantage is mightily overblown. I think that if you are a good enough controller player you can stand toe to toe with pretty good mouse and keyboard players i agree um i think if you if you were to find somebody that like if you're at i'm just gonna throw numbers around if you're at like a 90 percent proficiency like you are in the top like 10 percent of players on controller you're probably gonna get creamed by somebody who's in the same percentile on mouse and keyboard Like, you know, so like for like, you're probably at a disadvantage. But like, if you're a top 10% of controller players, you're probably top 15, 20% of mouse and keyboard players at the same time. So yes, there's, there's going to be people who are better than you, but it's not going to be everybody. And so I wonder how much of that is console players are just upset that they're losing and they've decided to blame cheaters when it may just be a result of crossplay. It may just be that they're just say it that they're garbage. No, not that they're garbage. <laughs> it could just be that they're playing against people who are playing on mouse and keyboard and are legitimately better than them and they get an assist from that mouse and keyboard input and a lot of the benefits that come with PC. I can tell you that if I was playing on console and I was doing really really well and I joined a PC lobby and I got completely utterly like stomped I'd probably be a little upset too and be like, well, why did I get put in this lobby with a bunch of mouse and keyboard players? The game knows what input I'm using. Yeah. Like it has the little icon in the lobby of what, whether you're playing mouse, keyboard or controller. So the game knows and input based matchmaking is ex- that's exactly what should be happening. You should never be matched into a mouse and keyboard lobby as a controller player Unless, A, there's not a lot of people playing and that's the only way you can fill up the match. Or two, you're in a you're already in a party that has a mouse and keyboard player. Yeah. And then you get dragged into the mouse and keyboard lobbies because you have a mouse and keyboard player on your on your team. Well I mean, I agree. I agree with you. I, I still think that I still think that majority of it comes from actual cheaters because 
unlike you, the little bit of times that I have run into, have played Warzone, mm-hmm. uh, I ran into a fair bit of cheaters. But yeah, keep in mind this was also fairly when the game came out, so it was like fairly newer. So there was a lot of not not many protocols to stop it. I guess you could say. But I ran into way too many cheaters, and that's that's one of the reasons why I haven't came back. So I, I think this is a great idea, especially for they're using this in the next Call of Duty too. Uh, I would assume so because it's a part of their Ricochet anti cheat, which is just a part of the client now. Yeah, I think it's a great idea. Then, yeah, I still like the 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 model of we've detected you're a cheater. We're not going to let you know that we know you're a cheater. And we're just going to dump you into lobbies with other cheaters. Wait, companies have done that or no? Yes. They have? Yes. <laughs> and so it lets them play. It lets them have their power fantasy. And they're basically shadow banned from the rest of the game because they're only being put in lobbies with other cheaters. So they don't know they're banned, banned initially. Um and it, you know, it lets them keep track of what cheats are using to kind of get past the anti-cheat and all that stuff. So it's, I like that. And I like this, you know, basically take the fun out of cheating. Yeah. Don't ban because especially in a free game, you can just come back. Yeah, exactly. You can just come back and create another account. And then at that point, what's the, what's, what's the, what's the deal at that there, point? There's literally no con. You yeah. just cheat, you get banned, make a new account. You cheat exactly. You there's there's no con to it. Exactly. Um. So speaking of cons, spe- <laughs> <laughs> speaking of controllers, um, <laughs> virtual reality is a big deal these days, um, especially after the Quest Two went off for Christmas. Um, I love my VR. I love it a lot. It's really fun. It is. Um, and Sony, of course, announced at CES last month that they are bringing out the PlayStation VR 2. Um, they didn't really announce when, but they showed off a lot of details, but they didn't show off what it looked like. Uh, and now we know, and it looks like a VR headset. Yes. I I probably could have guessed what it would have been looking like. Yeah. So the, or it, it kind of follows the same rounded orbish design of the controllers that they showed off last year. Um, and, uh, but yeah, it looks kind of like a PSVR gen one headset that's been rounded off a little bit with cameras thrown onto it. Um, but this is a headset that is stacked in terms of its, uh, its specs. I mean, this is a stacked headset. Uh, 4K HDR, 110 degrees field of view, foveated rendering, OLED display, 2000 oh. by 2040 pixels per eye, um, 90 and 120 hertz refresh rates, um, inside out tracking. Um, it's going to have, um, you know, uh, eye tracking, uh, actual haptic feedback in the headset. So, like, Imagine you get punched in the face in a game and the headset will rumble um, to kind of give you that uh, feeling that, you know, to kind of further immerse you. 3D audio, um, you know, uh, the controllers, which look really, really good. And again, that eye tracking, which which will allow for some really interesting um, 
implications as far as like rendering because it's it can increase the amount of graphics horsepower that it puts towards where your eyes are actually looking mm-hmm. and kind of you know reduces around to improve performance but you can imagine games using that eye tracking in interesting ways especially like puzzle games or something like that um so but yeah it, it looks really good i highly expect this is going to be expensive though yes yes yeah you gotta you want to take guesses on prices um, so the quest is two ninety nine and three ninety nine for the one twenty eight gig and two fifty six gig. Uh-huh. Um my guess is I'm gonna say four ninety nine. Four ninety nine? I think four ninety nine. I was gonna say three ninety nine. Cause on one hand, you can opt out for a sole console with the quest, or you can pay the same price for a complete better resolution, you know, display, like just, yeah. I, I mean, the PlayStation VR 2 completely beats the Quest in my eyes. It beats the Quest for sure, but you have to have a PlayStation to use it. And, and it, I feel like that's exactly why they would drop the price. Yeah. So I th- the original PlayStation VR was $399. I think if they can get it at $399, they will. Um, But... I, it's just something. It feels like a five hundred dollar headset. It looks like a five hundred dollar headset. It looks expensive. Like the original PlayStation VR was just the headset was three ninety nine. If you wanted controllers or the camera, that cost extra. Um, with this one, you don't need the camera anymore because the tracking is inside out, just like the Quest. It has cameras built in and everything. Um, so you don't need the camera, but you do need these special controllers, which I assume will come with the headset because you're going to need them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think you're, I, I think 499 just makes more sense when you factor in that unlike the PSVR, this is way more advanced and it's going to bundle in those controllers. I would love to see it cheaper, but, but especially like you said, cause you have to buy a PlayStation in order to even use it. Yeah. Um, unless they come out and say, oh, by the way, you can plug this into a PC and it also works on PC. Um, but they haven't said that yet, and I doubt they will. That would be, yeah. I would keep, if it if you, if you can plug it into a PC, I would change my price. Yeah. I feel like if you can, if you, if it's a, if it's a PC compatible VR headset that also, you know, is the primary VR headset for PlayStation, um, then yeah, I think four ninety nine makes more sense because they're not going to want to take as much of a loss on it. I mean, that's the big reason that when you look at like PC VR headsets, you know, they're five, six, seven, eight, nine hundred dollars, you know, versus the Quest, which is three hundred bucks. And the reason for that is because Facebook doesn't care if they make money on the actual headset because the vast majority of people who are buying the Quest. They don't have a PC to plug it into. They're using it as a standalone VR game console. And so they're buying games through the Oculus store. They're buying everything that's on the on the Quest. And they're interacting directly through Facebook's, you know, ecosystems. So they're making money on the software so they can sell it at a loss. Plus they make a shit ton of money as it is. Yeah. Um, and the best way to play PC VR games on the Quest, you can play them through Steam VR. It works just fine. Um, but the best out-of-the-box compatibility is the Oculus Store and downloading the Oculus versions of those games. 
it kind of locks you into the Oculus ecosystem on the PC front as well. Uh, so I still advise buying as many VR games as possible through Steam because it gives you the ability later on to switch headsets if you want to. You don't have to. You're not locked into Oculus. Versus if you buy through the Oculus Store, you're kind of locked in. Right. Um, but that's where they make their money. And Sony is kind of in this weird situation where they want to make money on VR games. So if they're going to make money on VR games, they can sell the headset for the, for a little bit of a loss because they don't have to worry about making all the money back on the headset, which is where I think that 399 price comes in. But if you're, if you make it compatible with PC, then you have to offset some of that cost for people who are going to be buying the headset to work with a PC because they're not going to be buying games through the Sony ecosystem. So I think if it's a PC compatible headset, it'll be more expensive. But then Sony's kind of in a phase right now where they don't want to sell things at a loss if they can avoid it. So maybe it'll be $500 regardless. Yeah, maybe. And you got to somehow find a PS5. You do have to somehow find a PS5, which is uh, proving to be a, a difficult proposition for many. Mm. Um, for sure. Um, not a difficult proposition though, is PlayStation plus. I think if you have a PlayStation, you should be subscribed to PlayStation plus, um, for one, it's how you play games online. Uh, but also you get free games every month. Yes, you do. Um, and I'm constantly adding these games to my library, even if I'm not going to play them. Um, I constantly add them so that, you know, eventually one day I have them. Um, so the March games have have launched, uh, so these will be available starting tomorrow for everybody listening to the podcast. It's March first, um, and the games for March, uh, your PS4 games for the for the month are uh, Team Sonic Racing, um, Ghost of Tsushima Legends, which is a cross gen multiplayer cooperative multiplayer experience. Um, so that's PS4 and PS5. Um, you have Ghost Runner, which is a PS5 game. It's a parkour <laughs> fighting game. And then, yeah, that's it. That's the only games no, coming next No, week. no, you forgot one. You Arc, forgot one. Arc. <laughs> Arc. Arc. The Arc only reason coming. this is on here, the only reason we're talking about this is Arc Survival Evolved is coming. Um, if you have PlayStation Plus, go ahead. PlayStation Plus. Get yourself Ark Survival Involved, one of the greatest yeah. games of all time. Yeah. Uh, I think it's probably, I would probably put it over the other three games that are coming out in the same uh, for March. I say, um, I, would, I would say Ghost of Tsushima Legends is probably the best thing on that list. No, I, I have to say Ark and then probably Team Sonic Racing. That's Team probably- Sonic Racing is number two for sure, but Ghost of Tsushima is, is the better. The better option I think, there. I think you're sleeping on Ark. I don't know. I think you are. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I don't oh. think I'm sleeping on it. I don't think I'm sleeping on it. Man, I'm not sleeping on Ark. If anything, I'm woke on Ark. You're woke. I'm woke on Ark. Oh man, they're just getting ready for when Game of the Year Ark Two comes out. They're going ahead and making Ark free to play. Well, not free to I play, mean, but. It, you know. They're making it free for all these people. I yeah. love also in the in the official blog post for this. It's 
in this MMO survival game, and then there's three asterisks because there's footnotes, but this is this is the free games for PlayStation Plus members. So the only way you get this game for free is to be a PlayStation Plus member, right? So there, but the notation is online multiplayer requires a PlayStation Plus membership. Nice. So, well, duh. But if you don't have PlayStation Plus, you're not getting the game for free anyway. So why is that even on here? Don't know. But yeah, so in this MMO survival game, you awaken on the shores of a mysterious island and must quickly adapt to everything its hostile environment throws at you. Harvest resources to craft items and build shelters and use your newly crafted equipment to kill, tame, or breed leviathan dinosaurs and other creatures that roam the land. And you're not the only one stranded. Team up with or prey on hundreds of other players. Um, In the worst survival game. In the best survival game of all time. Uh, it's it's a bad game, folks. It's a really bad game. <laughs> no, in all honesty, don't download this fucking game. It is ass. <laughs> Add it to your library so that you at least have it. But don't, don't do it. Don't, don't do download it. it. Don't, don't download, download it. it. The other I three mean, games go for it, but not Ark. So, if you had to guess, what do you think its reviews, like its review level on Steam, is? Like, like the the, uh, the percentage, the, the overall. Um, oh, like the overwhelmingly positive, very positive type of thing. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to say overwhelmingly. I'm just going to say very positive because I know there's a big amount of players that love this game. It is. That is correct. It's very positive. Very positive. 82% of the 404,000 reviews for this game are positive. Oh, man. People must love this game. How? I don't. How? It's literally just dinosaurs. I mean, if you love dinosaurs, I guess this is the game for you. But other than that, I got nothing. I just, I, I don't, I, I don't even understand, even as someone who loves dinosaurs. Well, I don't. There's not many dinosaur games. I feel like that's why Archer is way up there. True. There's not a lot of dinosaur games. That is true. Yeah. So I feel like it's kind of like of your options. You can choose this pile of shit or this pile of shit. And then Ark is just a prettier pile of shit. Yeah. Like, they both fucking suck, but you just got no choice. True. True. So, PlayStation Plus games for the month of March. That Those are your options. Um, yes. But we are on the cusp, reportedly, of a massive evolution of PlayStation Plus. And that is, of course, Project Spartacus. Um, which is the code name for the Game Pass com- in development Game Pass competitor that Sony is working on. Um, so, note this is not confirmed. This is speculation based on insider info and reporting from uh, Jeff Grubb, um, who is a, a Venture Beat reporter. Who he's. Not hit or miss per se, but I, he definitely has better information from like Microsoft than he does from, say, Sony. So I would I would level that, you know, as level your expectations based on that. Um, basically, the idea is that PlayStation Plus and PlayStation Now will be phased out and replaced with a three tiered system. No clue on what the name will be. Um. But the idea is there will be an essential tier, an extra tier, 
and a premium tier ranging from $10 to $16 a month. By comparison, Xbox Game Pass has two tiers. You have your entry-level tier, which is $10 a month, and that is for PC or console. You can't, it's one or the other. Um, you would get EA Play, which is a $5 a month value as part of that. Uh, and then $15 a month for both PC and console, plus cloud gaming. Note that these prices will likely go up after the Activision Blizzard acquisition goes through. Yep. So the information we have about this new te- this new tiered system for PlayStation is the essential tier will be $10 a month and will be the current PlayStation Plus offering. So your online gaming and your monthly free games. Whether there'll be a change to the quality of the free games, like Games with Gold has gone down the shitter since Game Pass became a thing. Yes. Um, whether there'll be a change in that or not uh, is unknown. I imagine that there will be. That the the goal for Sony will be to put more games into the step-up tier versus having really good free games every month. Um, maybe every now and then you'll get a banger. Maybe a couple times a year you'll get a good game in the free games in that base tier. But I think they're going to want to push people to pay a little bit more. And this is kind of the way to do that. Um, PlayStation Now um, is a streaming service slash Game Pass competitor that exists right now. It's $10 a month. It exists as a extra on top of PlayStation Plus. So you have to pay for both of them if you want both of these things. Um, But as part of PlayStation Now, you get a cloud library of games you can stream and you get a library of PlayStation 4 games that you can stream or download to your PlayStation 4 or PlayStation 5 console. The extra tier, which is rumored to be $13 a month, will give you the base PlayStation Plus offering plus that library of downloadable games, which is currently estimated to be about two to 300 total games. Um, PlayStation Now, in case people didn't know, that it, it has like 700 games on it. Like It is a huge library, library. of games. Uh, it's a lot of PlayStation 3 games that you can stream, but there's also a lot of PS4 games that you can download. Um, whether there will be PlayStation 5 games added in the near term or if that'll be later is unknown, but that is probably what that tier is. It's your base PlayStation Plus plus a Game Pass-style library of downloadable games. And then you step up from there to the premium tier, $16 a month, basically gives you access to everything. So you get the online multiplayer, you get your monthly free games, you get access to the downloadable library of games that are a part of PlayStation Now. You get access to the streaming library from PlayStation Now. And then the two new things that you'll get from there are a library of EA Play-style game trials. No word on if all first-party games will get a game trial at, at the launch or if it's you know a limited selection of games will get game trials like games that'll benefit from them versus you know single player games which may not benefit from single from from these trials um that's still up in the air and then there will be a lineup of classic games as well so you're looking at PlayStation 1 PlayStation 2 games i imagine this will be similar to the Nintendo Switch kind of NES Super Nintendo Nintendo 64 Sega Genesis stuff where as part of your subscription you'll get access to the ability to run kind of like an emulator that runs these older games um, that you can play, but it'll be a subscription library of games rather than just being able to pop in like a PlayStation one disc and play that. 
uh, it'll be like, well, here's the original Tomb Raider games from PS1. You can play them inside this this app. Um, but it will not include day one full games, day and date with their release. So if you like a, the new God of War, there may be a 10-hour trial of that game, but you're not going to be able to just access that game as part of the subscription. Again, this is not confirmed. This is just speculation based on reporting. Um, but that's kind of what we know about this so far. So um, how much is it per month? So it would be $10 a month for the existing offering, $13 uh-huh. a month to get that Game Pass style library of downloadable games, but no other benefits. And then $16 a month, which gets you everything. Cloud streaming, downloads, trials, classic games, online multiplayer, everything. Hmm. I mean, I I don't have a PlayStation, so this doesn't really include me. But how much do you pay normally for PS Plus? Um, sixty dollars a year, but I usually get it um when it goes on sale. So I usually only pay like forty or forty five dollars a year for it. You just pay the whole year. Yes, so I usually pay the whole year. With the $16, the PS Plus is part of it? There's no option yes. to opt out of it? Yes. So this is like this is basically a replacement for PlayStation Plus. Kind of like how Game Pass has kind of superseded Xbox Live. Yeah. It still exists. Um, and you can technically still get it for $10 a month, plus Game Pass for $10 a month. Um, but it's a better value to just get Game Pass Ultimate, which includes everything. Um, for 15. So this is kind of the same thing. They're going to keep PlayStation Plus around at that essential tier. $10 a month gets you online multiplayer plus your monthly free games. But then for a little bit more a month, you get access to the entire downloadable game library on PlayStation Now. And then for $6 more a month, you get everything. There's no word on whether there will be yearly subscription options or not. I imagine there won't be. I imagine it'll be you You make the decision between... I, I, they'll probably keep the $60 a year PlayStation Plus tier around. Mm-hmm. So you can... Because that's essentially what that essential tier is already. Um, so they'll keep that around for people who are like, I don't want all these extra things, but I also don't want to pay $10 a month if I don't have to. Because um, that's twice as expensive as just buying it for 60 bucks a year. Right. Um, but I... So since you don't have a PlayStation, yeah, you know, it's hard for you to comment. I am Sony has to respond to Game Pass somehow. And this seems to be the most straightforward way to adapt their existing offering. Um if it is compelling enough, then I would be down for it. Um my only issue personally is that outside of those first party Sony games 90% of my game buying is on PC. Yeah. So do I want to pay $16 a month for a service that what it would give what it would get for me is that classic library of games. I would get that and then I would get the ability to try these first party games instead of having to go out and buy them, see if I like and hope that I like them. Um, even though generally speaking with these first party Sony games, I do, 
like them. So there's an element of like, do I really want to pay $16 a month for, for that? Well, so we'll see. Not only that, but I mean, if the whole reason you're paying your $16 a month is for the Sony made games, then just buy the game flat out. Exactly. Cause you're, you're looking yeah. at, um, I, I think it's like- $192 a year which is basically the cost of three games plus tax. Um, so if Sony's only releasing like three major games a year, then it, it doesn't make sense for me to subscribe to this if I'm still going to have to buy them anyway. Exactly. You know, the only benefit of this in the long run is that, okay, say Sony comes out with, say Naughty Dog makes a non-Last of Us, non, non-Uncharted game in a genre that they're not, Let's let's say Naughty Dog makes a live service first person shooter. I doubt they're going to because Sony doesn't do that kind of shit. But let's say that they did. I like Naughty Dog. I trust them to make good games, but that's way outside their wheelhouse. Yeah. And so I would be worried that it's not going to be good. This would give me the ability to try it before buying it. You know, I'd be able to download it, play it for a few hours. And then if I like it, I can pay for it and keep playing. But you also pay the sixteen dollars on top of that a month. But, but you, so I but I would be paying sixteen dollars a month, and then if I like the game, I then have to go be, pay sixty dollars or seventy dollars oh, actually no. for the game. So again, this is all speculation. They could they they could do something different. I think that the problem Sony faces is they make a lot of money off games, a lot. Yeah. Um, Microsoft really didn't because they only had a core few franchises that they were pumping out and they built up Game Pass and now Game Pass is large enough that they can kind of say, okay, well, we're just going to release our games on the subscription and then people that don't want to subscribe will just buy them. I think Sony's in a weird spat where they, they make so much money off the games that they make that it would kind of be detrimental to their core business if they suddenly put them all on a subscription that people pay month to month for it. But then again, I don't really know, you know, if that's the case or not. Um, I feel like I feel like that's sixteen dollars a month. Obviously, you get games, but to get full game trials, no. Nah. Yeah, that's, I think that, it's, it's it, not, it, yeah, yeah, it's a it's a. And honestly, like that's I, I said this last week when we were talking about the Game Pass games that were added. Like, I don't like that Microsoft includes the EA Play games as part of the Game Pass library. Like, yes, you get EA Play as part of your Game Pass subscription, but it is a separate library. And so you're saying that this game is coming. Well, is it a trial? Is it, you know, what is it that I'm getting with this subscription? Um, I would like to see how Sony squares this circle. Maybe it's a, you know we're not going to include our games day and date, but after a year they'll come. So I could see in that situation being like, okay, well this game, I really want to play. So I'll go ahead and buy it versus this game. I can kind of wait on. So I'll wait till it comes to the subscription. Right. So really it's a matter of seeing it. It's hard to say exactly what I would do based on speculation. Well, let's hope speculations is wrong. Because that does not sound nice. It doesn't sound compelling, but to be honest, neither did Xbox Game Pass originally. 
True. I was true. like, I, no, I, you I, want me to pay how much a month for for games? Like, just it was like, you want me to pay how much? And I already get games for free with games with gold because at the time yeah. they were decent games. Yeah, they were decent games, and it and was like you know, it's like what? No, I'm not paying I th- extra. Yeah, I think the market is shifting though, which it's a it's a good and a bad thing, you know. But these subscription services are clearly the direction that people want to go in because you know it's it's for a lot of people it's less pre- it's less financial pressure to pay a little bit more over the course of a year for games than they might pay if they just bought the games they wanted to play. But they also get the ability to play way more games than they would otherwise, because now it's a part of the subscription. So I can just try this game that I would not have played otherwise. Cause I wouldn't have wanted to pay 30, 40, $50 for it, but now I can just download it and give it a shot. So it's a, it's a double edged sword. Um, but I think Sony, knows they have to respond to game pass because there's an expectation that you have a game service like yeah. a subscription service um so i i'm excited to see what they actually roll out but i i do think that there's a little tweaking here i think the 13 dollar a month tier is really competitive um you know it may not include day and date releases but it'd be a little cheaper than game pass plus uh, game plus ultimate so which also includes cloud streaming and this one doesn't. So that one's fairly competitive. Um, and that premium tier, it's about the same price. So it's, it's not necessarily uncompetitive. It's just the not having those day one games. Yeah. You know, maybe, a maybe Sony comes out like a premium plus tier. That's like $20 a month and you get all these games included day and date. And that might be with all these other benefits that might be a compelling enough offer at that point. I don't know if that'll, I don't even think that will be a compelling because Xbox like Forza, for example, Forza five. Well, sorry, Forza horizon five. When it released, it released day one straight on game pass and it's $15. Yeah. So it's, I mean, if I'm paying $20 for Sony released games, keep in mind, you know, I don't have a PlayStation, but if I'm subscribing to, game pass and i'm subscribing to other things like the ubisoft and i have a pc and i'm playing steam the only reason i would even bat an eye to purchase anything on playstation would be for the sony made games and if they're not on there day one and i'm paying twenty dollars a month or i mean or i'm paying twenty dollars i mean i don't think twenty dollars is compelling i would just rather you know just bite the bullet buy the game yeah, and and honestly, I think Sony at that 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 would be part of the calculus. Would be like, we have to price this at a level that people may be willing to just buy the game anyway, and but we want to make money. Like, I think ultimately that's the thing. Those games make so much goddamn money. Like, well, they're good Sony games. Yeah, Sony's first party games are the closest. Like, like, they exist on a completely different level from Nintendo's first party games in terms of sales. Like Nintendo's first party games, they just sell like hotcakes. Just constantly, constantly, constantly. Sony's games are a step down from that. They don't sell 40, 50 million copies, but they sell, you know, 10, 15, 20 million copies, which is a you know, whole other level for Microsoft, which, you know, I don't know how many people actually bought Forza, but it's at this point because Xbox Game Pass is so integrated into how we approach Microsoft games. You know, you can't really get an art. You can't really get a figure of how many copies would Forza have sold 
if it wasn't on Game Pass. So Sony's got like I keep bringing it up. Sony's got a spreadsheet and there's a column of how much money they make on games being sold at $70 a pop and there's an art there's a column on how much money they make from a subscription service like this and they have to balance out at some point. Like there has to be the the cost of the gains of switching to the subscription model and bundling those games in on the day they come out has to make that subscription value, that subscription revenue much higher than what they make from selling the games individually. So um, I actually have some uh, statistics. Okay. So as of, I want to say, as of the beginning of this year, this is when this information was published, uh, Forza Horizon 5 has 15 million players. And they have only sold, surprisingly, actually, just over 10 million, which kind of surprises me considering how cheap the Game Pass is. Mm-hmm. I, because I mean, five million—that means the other five million players didn't buy the game; they just used the Game Pass. Hmm. Yeah, that's actually kind of surprising. I figured the numbers that's, would be way, way low. Like, I figured the the opposite. I figured it would have yeah. been like ten, like a ten million Game Pass players and five million. Um, I figured you know purchases. I figured fifteen million uh, Game Pass players and like three million purchases. I mean, for I mean how some, cheap Game Pass is. Some people just still buy games and they don't want to subscribe. I mean, like if if. If Forza is the only game you play, it doesn't make sense to subscribe to Game Pass. It makes sense to go out and buy it. And I think sometimes as more hardcore gamers, we get caught up in the idea that people play a lot of games. And some people just don't. Some people just play like two or three games and that's it. And they just play new versions of those games all the time. It's the reason that friggin' sports games are as uh, popular as they are. You know, is that some people, that is all they play. You know, and Call of Duty kind of falls into that category. For some people, Call of Duty is the only game they play, and that's why it was such a big deal that Microsoft bought Activision and got that franchise, because if they decide to make it exclusive, what does that do for the people that bought a PlayStation and Call of Duty is the only game they play? Do they try to find an alternative or do they, you know, go and buy an Xbox because that's the only game they play? You know, and of course, now we've kind of muddied the waters with, well, we're going to continue to release Call of Duty games on PlayStation, but we're not going to release the specifics of what that looks like. We're just going to kind of commit to doing that, but it, we'll see what that looks like. But that's kind of for some people, that's all they play and they don't need a subscription. But then you have people like me that have schizophrenic tastes that I'm constantly playing completely different styles of games. And, you know, I, I a subscription makes sense for me because there's just too many games to buy yeah well you know that the cost is way too high i know i i I agree with you i I feel like 60 dollars for a game when you pay 15 bucks for a whole a whole bulk of them Mm -hmm. it's it's hard to beat yeah and like i said uh when we were talking about the microsoft activision you know purchase game pass has fundamentally changed the way i approach buying video games i used to be someone that i didn't pre-order games because i always thought buying a game before it comes out and seeing what it actually is was always a dumb idea um 
So I tried not to pre-order games unless it was from a studio that I trusted to make a good game. Um, and the pre-release kind of what I had seen of the game was like, yeah, no, I'm probably going to enjoy this. And then I would pre-order it. Um, and sometimes I got burned like Cyberpunk 2077 and Fallout 76. And then other times I didn't get burned um, like Last of Us, you know, and stuff like that. Um but Game Pass has fundamentally changed the way that I buy games. I don't like if a game comes out, I always hesitate to pay for it. I always hesitate to buy it because what if, you know, what if it comes to the Game Pass and it's already a subscription I pay for? Yeah. You know, and I've been burned a couple of times by that. Outriders is an example. I bought that game when it came out because Matt wanted to play it. And I really enjoyed that game and I don't regret buying it. But then six months later, it came to fucking Game Pass. And if I had waited six months, you know, I wouldn't have had to pay $60 for that game. Yeah, um, I, I, I did Yeah, I, EA games, pretty much, I don't buy them. So, like, when the Mass Effect Legendary Edition came out, I didn't buy it, even when it was on sale. Because I knew it was going to come to EA Play eventually, and that's part of Game Pass, and I'll be able to play it through that. So, there's definitely an element of, I'm just not going to buy games anymore. And, you know, because there's a chance that they might come to the Game Pass. And I mean, so for one, uh, I want to say Madden, for example, since mm-hmm. la- I think last episode we talked about it coming to the game. It's pass. coming. It's coming to EA play. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody that pre-ordered it back in August, $60 never went on sale until December and they went on sale for 40. And I mean, after yep. the Super Bowl, it's free. Yep. It's, but to be fair, that's kind of, that's kind of makes sense with that game. Yeah. Yeah. I, I you agree. Know, but, you know, for them, it's like the people who want to play Madden for the, you know, the footballiness of it. They're probably wanting to play during the season and going into the into the Super Bowl. And then when the Super Bowl is over, now you get the people that are just like, oh, there's a football game I want to play. And it's like, well, yeah, so now we'll make it free because the people who were going to buy it have already bought it. Yep. So now it's just more potential revenue for Ultimate Team at that yep. point. And you know what? Let's not get <laughs> let's not yeah. get on that topic. <laughs> yeah, no, let, let, let's let's not. Um, real quick, we'll we'll circle back to um, what's going on in uh, the Ukraine. So um, I saw you just put this in here. So Polish yes. company Eleven Bit Studios, um, they are the creators of this war of mine. Um, they have they released a statement uh, yesterday that they are going to donate. Um, the money they make from their game, all of its DLCs on all stores and all platforms for the next week um, to the Ukrainian Red Cross um, to directly support victims of the war in Ukraine. Yep. Um, so uh, that joins a long list of game studios and publishing houses that have pledged support um, for the people of Ukraine. Um, so, uh, Several online stores, uh, CD Projekt Red is donating a million, I'm assuming this Polish dollars, uh, to um, an organization to to help those people, uh, a humanitarian organization in, in the Ukraine. Um, I know that, uh, uh, I forget the name of the studio, it's blanking on me, but the developers of the Stalker games, um, they're based in Kiev. Um, they are a Ukrainian game developer. 
Uh, and they're currently hard at work on Stalker 2. And um, that game is supposed to come out this year. Uh, I have a feeling that that's going to be heavily impacted by this. Um, but uh, they, they've they've posted that, you know, asking for help from, you know, the international community. So, uh, you know, again, it's what's going on in Ukraine is not necessarily gaming related, but it does have an impact on developers and publishers and and some of the games that we enjoy so um but good on 11 bit for yes. for doing that i'll probably um, get the game myself yes uh, if i don't already own it i definitely will and if i do own it i'll find a spot where i can um i may just go donate the cost of it to the ukrainian red cross yeah um directly um so but yeah uh again horrible thing that's going on over there um uh, a California-based indie publisher uh, called Critivo. Uh, they run an online store for digital games. They have announced that um, that all profits from their store uh, for the month of February and March uh, will be donated to the Ukrainian Red Cross. Um, and they'll pro- they're also providing all of their Ukrainian employees um, paid leave. Um, until they can either get to safety or the situation improves enough to allow them to work safely. Um, so yeah. we're in a dark Ooh. fucking timeline, man. Dark yeah. fucking timeline. Real, I'm just, I'm glad to see that, you know, like some companies are reaching out and I mean, it shows a lot to donate all your profits, you know, to help out Ukraine and everything that's going on. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, ugh. Yeah, it, it's once you get on it, it's very hard to 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 segue out. But but yeah, um, Lost Ark um, has been incre- incredibly popular, um, particularly in Europe, uh, where they <laughs> I have played a good bit of it. I, was, um, I said last week I would. And you yes. know what? Before everybody that listens to this podcast dogs me for that, I did. I loaded up. I made a character, and I got off. I played it. All right, forty three minutes of playtime actually, because I, I think I walked away and came back and then made a character. But yeah. still, I may play it this week. I say that every week. I'm gonna try. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, so well, apparently it is at capacity. In Europe, so they have um, the the European Central uh, server um, had a lot of queues. They added a new Europe West server to give another place to play. Um, and while they've added that Europe West server, which I believe um, at the time of the posting of this article in Polygon, which was on Monday, uh, that server was just under 20% of the players in Europe were on the European West region. Um, but the European Central region is at capacity and they cannot expand it anymore. Um, so there is no way to increase the number of players per world in European Central in Europe Central. Um, adding more servers is not possible uh, based on the complexity of all the systems that need to work together. So basically, um, you are kind of stuck um, and you can't transfer to another server. Um, so if you are on Europe Central, you can't move to Europe West. Uh, if you want, you can't transfer your progress to Europe West. You'd have to start over. Um, so, uh, Yeah. Man. It's definitely crazy that this online game 
that is published by Amazon of all companies is having a massive server issue. Um, but I guess that goes to show just how fucking popular that game is right now. And people really, really want to play it. Well, I mean, same thing with new world. When new world came out, it was just, everybody loved the grinding aspect and they loved, it's weird having Amazon in a gaming podcast, but it seems yeah. like they're moving more towards it. I mean, they own Twitch. They have their own game streaming service, Luna. They they are very much in this space. They want to be in this space, um, and they have they publish games. I mean, yeah, no, it's weird. It's weird to talk about Amazon in that capacity. Like it's it was really already weird, weird to talk about Google and Apple and even Microsoft in, and in New York Times extent. and New York <laughs> Times uh, buying Wordle, uh, which Wordle. they have. They have fucking made that game so much harder than when it was uh, not owned by them, those bastards. Um, so, yeah, it's um, it sucks for the people in Europe who want to play Lost Ark and can't yeah. because the servers are at capacity or they can't play with their friends because their friends are on Central Europe and they want they have to be on Europe West. Um, but, uh, but yeah, um, hopefully as the initial hype for the game starts to die down and some people drop off, some of that capacity can open back up and, and people can, can jump onto that server. But this game clearly struck a chord in Europe, uh, in a way that it didn't even strike a chord here, um, in North America. But, um, I'm enjoying it the little bit that I've played. Um, I haven't had a chance to play more since, um, last week, but because I've, been so busy and playing horizon but yeah. um uh, it's definitely a game that when matt isn't playing elden ring and i'm free i would i will probably continue to play because it is is very good game it's very fun it's a little grindy but it's pretty fun i like grindy though grindy i feel like grindy gives you a reason to keep popping on every single day yes grindy does give you a reason um grindy to- does get boring though Grindy does get boring, but Grindy's better than Greedy. And speaking of Greedy, um, EA. Oh, yes, Greedy. Yes, the Greedy the greedy fuckers at EA. Um, so in a internal meeting from uh, last November, um, so this is just a couple months ago, um, EA CEO uh, Andrew Wilson the Bond that villain dude. look at that dude Bond looking motherfucker Bond villain looking motherfucker um he tells the the staff at EA that the company has been impeded by the FIFA branding on their soccer game um and basically uh this all started last year um when EA and FIFA got uh in kind of a back to back and forth spit you know tit for tat kind of a PR war um, mm-hmm. after EA decided to make public last November that it was considering ending its relationship with FIFA. They've had a relationship for 30 years, but basically it's come down to EA wants to do more with the license and FIFA won't let them. And FIFA wants EA to pay them double um, what they have been paying in the past uh, to two and a half billion dollars over the next 10 years, um, which is a lot of money, it's a, quarter mil- a quarter billion a year. That's just maybe um, a quarter of Ultimate Team sales in the last month. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
Yeah, the the two billion, the the one point six billion dollar a year ultimate team that represents about a sixth of that um, every year. Um, so if the negotiations aren't resolved um, before their licensing expires this year after the World Cup, um, FIFA twenty three could be the last football game that EA makes that uses the FIFA name. Um, so when he was speaking to, um, the internal uh, employees, he basically said, you know, they've had a great relationship over the last 30 years with FIFA. They've created a huge, you know, amount of value. One of the biggest entertainment properties on the, on the planet. Um, and uh, he he said that he would argue that FIFA, the FIFA brand, has more meaning as a video game than it ever has as the governing body of soccer, um, which is quite the statement to make. That basically, when people think FIFA, they think the video game and not the the sports organization. Huh. Um, and so they don't take it for granted. They don't try to be arrogant and they've worked really hard to try and make FIFA understand what they need. And basically, you know what he gets from what they get from FIFA in a non world cup year is the four letters on the front of the box in a world where most people don't even see the box anymore because they buy games digitally. Exactly. Um, and so basically they've wanted to grow the franchise and he claims that the FIFA license has been an impediment to that. Um, they want more cultural and commercial brands relevant to them in their markets um, embedded in the game, which just sounds like we want to be able to put more ads in the game, but we can't because sounds FIFA like has more, more uh, ultimate team. Well, so the example he gives is he wants to be able to have like Nike brand in the game. So I guess like Nike shoes for the characters or whatever, but FIFA has a relationship with Adidas, so they're not able to do that. Huh. Um, and they want players want more modes and different types of gameplay. And FIFA clearly doesn't want that um, because the license only covers certain categories, um, you know. And so basically the idea is that the, the statement that the position EA has on this is that they believe that FIFA is a detriment to the game that they're trying to make that the branding of FIFA is just four letters on the box and that it's not important and that the brand oh, of wow. FIFA is more related to video games than the actual sport. Um, so I, <laughs> I, I, I don't know this. This is exactly why EA is probably one of my least favorite companies, but at the same time, like I completely get where they're coming from. Um, that if the license is getting in the way of what they want to do with the game, you know, if they believe strongly enough that they don't need the FIFA brand for the game to sell, which clearly they believe that FIFA doesn't actually mean anything on the box, that people are going to buy the game because it's football or soccer and it has the players that they want to play and the clubs they want to play. But it, the FIFA, lo the FIFA logo is just, it's FIFA, you know, it doesn't yeah. matter. Um, this is on top of um, the, f the, the public statements that they would cut ties with them. Um, 
But uh, EA implied that should it cut ties with FIFA, it would still retain all its other league player and stadium licensing because those deals are arranged separately. So clearly they've uh, they've planned for this in advance. Um, FIFA said that they're open to working with new video game companies to make FIFA games. And FIFA or EA has filed multiple trademarks for EA Sports FC, um, which would likely be um, football club or something like that. Yeah. Um, and that that will be the new name going forward. So I think it's pretty clear now that unless something radically ch- changes on one side or the other, or that EA will not make FIFA games starting next year, that they will just be EA football games. EA Sports FC. EA Sports FC. And that'll be the true test. Is is EA right that FIFA as a brand is more associated with the video game than it is with the sport? I guarantee they won't lose sales. I guarantee it. I think I think you're right. I think you're right I, that I they won't lose sales. I don't think they're losing sales because, I mean, if you look at the market for soccer game, well, football, depending on where you are. but Football. 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 Depending on, I mean, if you look at the market, there's no good soccer games. Like, you have EA, and that's really it. Yeah, you have Konami's. Pro Evolution Soccer, which doesn't no. really sell. Yeah, I was gonna say, don't don't bring that level. trash. Um, I mean, it just it, it exists. I mean, if FIFA wanted to go to someone else, that's the most obvious. Like they already make a soccer game. Yeah, let's just slap them the branding. And that would that would be it. That would be it. But again, like looking at it, they EA has already said that they already have the league player and stadium licensing. So what does FIFA bring to the table really other than the four letters on the box? Maybe EA is right. And all they bring is the four letters on the box. Could be, you know, but what impact do those four letters on the box have is the real question. They just need to leave it FIFA and just add another a (laughs) FIFA, uh. FIFA, FIFA, uh, Football. Or just or just change it to N FIFA for not N- FIFA. <laughs> not just spell out not FIFA in front of it. And spell not out people. spell out FIFA phonetically. So be like F E E F A H or F E E F U H FIFA. Could you imagine a kid going to the store and it's like, Mom, Mom, let's get the new FIFA game? And it's that. <laughs> it's like you know, no, it's like the kid points at EA FIFA spelled correctly. It's like, Mom, can I get the EA FIFA game? And she's like, we have FIFA at home. <laughs> FIFA at home. You get home, it's just like, yeah, FIFA. 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 Um, <laughs> F-E-E-F-U-H. Um, FIFA. FIFA. FIFA fo-fum. Um, oh, so, yeah. Man. Um, oh, uh, just uh, we're, I'm looking at the article for this, and I'm looking at the bottom. Uh, apparently, Elden Ring hit 764,000 concurrent Steam users. Um, so that's a oh, lot. I that. Yeah, I see that too. It's a lot of people. I mean, um, considering it is one of the most highest rated games, I feel like it should be. Yeah, six times what Dark Souls uh, three ever reached. Um, that was eight hours ago. Let me see if the uh, the numbers have changed on the stats page for Steam. Um, nope, that is still the peak. Uh, so still it has come. Peak. It has still come down a bit. Um, Lost Ark is still the the uh, the highest um, 
concurrent right now, 875. And the peak for today was Counter-Strike Global Offensive, 904,000. People people love their CSGO. People love their CSGO. Can you blame them? I so I played Counter Strike Source a little bit way back, but other than that, I've never been really into Counter Strike. No, Counter Strike is where it's at. I haven't played a lot of it, but I've had a blast every time I play that game. That game is frozen in time, and it will stay a masterpiece. I just the little bit I've played those the players of that game just take it so seriously, and I'm like, I'm just oh, here to yeah. shoot. It's shoot a sweaty people. game. A that sweaty game, game. That game is sweaty. Sweaty. I've played sweatier games, but it's it's up there. Like yeah. I said, game with friends. It, it's yeah, crazy. No. It's crazy how much a few friends can take a a game and just completely make it. You can go from a bottom tier game to one of the best games you've ever played in your life. Just with it, the rightest right set of friends. Yes. Well, that does it for the news. That does, that does it. it does it for the news and now we transition over to the listener questions oh we have some listener questions we have one oh one so one listener question it's from uh, anonymous anonymous oh Oh, great in in florida i understand why you want to stay anonymous those people are crazy um I'm i'm from there so i can say that um, but, uh, it's basically, the question is, uh, on a previous episode of the podcast, you called the steam deck, the perfect toilet device. Uh, would you not agree that the Nintendo switch is a better toilet device? No, I will not um, agree with that. <laughs> I will so, not. Yes. No. Um, I would, I would not agree that it is the, it is a better toilet device. I think that they are both great toilet devices no no Um, you stop that but the nintendo switch uh is i I don't want to bring it in the bathroom to be honest like i just respect it a little too much to bring it into the bathroom no the reasoning we said it's the perfect toilet device because the steam deck has everything you have on your computer the only reason that you would take it and play on it if you're on a trip or if you're going to sit on the toilet, you can just yeah. be like, damn, let me take my PC with me, basically. Yeah, basically. Nintendo Switch games aren't really on, keep in mind, you can get some on PC, but yeah, they, they aren't really on the PC. So the only way you can play them is a Nintendo Switch. Yeah, exactly. That's the exactly. only place you can play them. Which I guess leads into the second part of their question, which is if you had to choose between buying a Switch if you didn't already have one, and a Steam Deck, which would you choose? Switch. All the way. Not even up for the bait. I would also probably pick up a Switch. Yeah, not even... Just just the game library is so much more... Uh, yeah. Well, if you don't have a PC and you want I'd that still pick up the Switch. Really? I'd still pick up the Switch. Yeah. Because if, if you don't have a PC and you're in the market for a... If you're looking at a Steam Deck and a Switch, if like you've narrowed it down to those two, um, you're probably not the target demographic for something like the Switch, the Steam Deck. You're probably more along the target demographic of the Switch. All right, you know? I agree with that. And like, if you already have another game console, like a PlayStation or an Xbox, where you play all of the big name games, 
then a switch makes even more sense at that point because it's you're not taking your Xbox or PlayStation experience with you on your Steam Deck. Right. Steam Deck for me honestly feels like an accessory for someone who already has a computer and wants the ability to play their PC games that they already own um, either over streaming when they're at home um, or when they're out and about, download them and play them that way. Um, it, do- it doesn't feel to me like a device that someone is going to choose over something else. I could be proven yeah. wrong there, but I think no. that it's a niche enough product, a niche enough product, I should say, that uh, it's it's mainly for people who already have a PC. Uh, that's yeah. my personal opinion on it. I, I, I so-so agree. I so-so. So-so. <laughs> I'm, I'm so-so. I, I agree with you. I, like I said, I feel like the only reason you would pick up a Steam Deck is because, I mean, when I had nothing but a console, there was a lot of games that I wanted to play that was PC mm-hmm. only. But yeah. PCs are so expensive currently. A Steam Deck, it's still expensive, but it's that it still gives me access, I guess you could say, to play some of these games. Mm-hmm. But that other than traveling and me just saying, hey, let me go play Elden Ring or something on a plane, that yeah. that, that would be it. Well, like, I think it would come down to the types of games you want to play. Like, if you if you want to play, like, Control or Elden Ring or, you know, something like that, then the Steam Deck makes a lot more sense. Because those are games that they're not on Switch. Or if they are on Switch, they're cloud streaming. And so you can't play them on the plane anyway unless you hook up to Wi-Fi. And that's a horrible experience. Oh, my. I didn't know that. Yeah. So in that oh. case, it, it makes sense to get a Steam Deck over the Switch. Um, but if you're, if you're in the market for a switch and a steam deck and you just want to play, you know, you just want to play some casual games like Stardew Valley. Oh yeah. Stuff like then that. A switch. Then a switch makes more sense because it's more yeah. portable and for that kind of stuff, it it's just is a better shatter. fit. If you just like drop it an inch from the ground, it's not going to completely fall apart. Yeah, I mean, I don't think the the Steam Deck will do that either. But I know. I'm just hating on the Steam Deck. That's all. I, I just have to. I have to see what the durability reviews are. Jerry rigs everything on YouTube. I need to see the bend test. What happens when you try test. to when you try to bend it in half? Does it snap? Uh, he just bent. Uh, he just did the his durability test on some new OnePlus Android phone or whatever. It's like their top of the line phone, and he went through the bend test and he was bending it, and it just snapped. <laughs> Damn. And I'm like, damn, that hasn't happened in a while. Normally, like the glass separates from the case yeah. and stuff like that, but this just snapped in half. And it's <laughs> like, their best damn. one. Oof. Yeah, I was like, damn, don't sit on that phone. I know. Um, but but yeah, no, I think that uh, if you are in the market for if you're like, because for me, it's like if you're playing something like Stardew Valley. The only reason I would get a Steam Deck over a Switch is if I'm playing it on a computer and I want to play the same save, you know, because yeah. I don't know if Stardew Valley lets you sync saves. Some games let you sync saves between PC and the Switch. So I don't know if it's one of them. But if it is if it is one of them, then that argument doesn't even exist. But if it isn't, then that would be an argument where the Steam Deck makes sense. Um, but I think that, you know, in terms of which device... Would I rather own if I didn't own either of them? It'd probably be be the Switch. Switch, Switch sure. all the way. Because I can Undisputed. always play my games on PC. You know, at home. Undisputed. You know, it just sucks when you go traveling. 
and that's know, it. Where you go dog sit for a weekend like I did last weekend. But that's doing, it. You know, doing again tonight. Yeah, it would be awesome to have my a Steam Deck for those purposes because then I could play something like Lost Ark. Yeah. Um, but, you know, for general day-to-day, yeah, the Switch is a better better yep. option. Yep. Yeah. I agree with that. Plus, you can't go wrong with Pokemon. Pokemon, Zelda, Mario, all great games. You can't go wrong with any of those. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like, if you really like Nintendo stuff, then you're going to get oh, Nintendo stuff. Or that new Kirby game that we talked about last episode. The new Kirby, the new Kirby game. I, I'm pretty sure if you don't get it, I, I may just get it. Or I'm, if you get it, I may borrow it. I'm, well, see, I, that's the that for me, my Switch, I don't buy any physical games. Oh, my for the switch i do full on digital only for that thing oh that's whack the, the only physical game i own is smash brothers and that just stays in the slot yeah um and that was a that was a choice that i made when i bought the the switch i slapped the 256 gig sd card in there and said i am never going to buy a single cartridge understandable yeah so but- no carts here. No carts here. No carts. No no carts. Um, so that's gonna do it. Yep. Um, as always, I thank everybody for their for their questions. Yep. You can always send us more um, at podcast at abxycast.com or you can DM us on Twitter at abxycast. Um, you can DM you can DM me directly on Twitter. I'm constantly retweeted. Um, by the APXYcast Twitter whenever I'm putting out something like, I fucked up this week and there's a problem. You know, the, the main Twitter retweets it. But um, but yeah, so we, we always like your questions, so send those in. And again, they don't have to be video game related, like last week with the Arizona Sweet Tea comment questions. Yes. yes. Um, they don't have to be video game related. It's always nice when they are, but they don't have to be. No, I like when they aren't. It, it makes a little bit of a twist, you know? I like when they aren't too, honestly. Uh, just cause it's so, it's so out of left field sometimes. I know. Um, so I like that, but I, we, we have had listener questions every episode. The I know. last three episodes. It's exciting. So keep it up, folks. Please. Keep it up. Keep it up. Ask me what Even- color socks I'm wearing. Like, I don't care. <laughs> what color socks are you wearing? I'm actually wearing gray. That's a normal ass color. Okay. If you asked me yesterday, it's baby blue, yellow, and Hot pink. Do you have three feet or were they like striped? No, they were actually Bugs Bunny ones. Ah. So it was just, it was like a neon Bugs Bunny sock. I actually wore it, was it yesterday? Yeah, I wore it to work and I had to get out of my my jumpsuit. And first thing my boss looks at me and goes, what are those socks? (laughs) They are the greatest socks of all time. No, I will never wear those socks to work again. (laughs) See, I'm a two tone. I'm a two color socks man. So I'll wear one sock color on one foot, and then the other foot will have a completely different color sock on it. No, you are tweaking. That is weird. So th- that is, it's not like when I'm going to work. Obviously, I don't do that because, like, I don't want to. I don't want people to judge. But now I've admitted it to the world. So judge away. Judge away. Judge away. But no, I. Uh, but yeah, I list. I, I will wear two different color socks. It's. I don't know why. I just like it's. It fits my like my mind a little bit like it calms me down when i look at my feet and i'm like ah yes two different colors oh my two favorite colors it's chaos it's like controlled chaos 
Controlled chaos. Controlled chaos. But that is going to do it for us this week. Um, once again, um, to kind of round out where we started, our hearts and thoughts and prayers are with the people of Ukraine. Um, hopefully uh, that whole terrible situation gets resolved um, yeah. quickly. Uh, and hopefully it doesn't escalate any further into God knows what. Yeah. Um, you know, people, people are crazy. So hopefully that, that gets resolved. Um, and again, we'll be, I'll be posting um, resources on the um, ABXY Twitter. If you want to donate or, you know, find ways to help out um, any resources I come across, I've been posting them there. So uh, just keep an eye out for those. Um, but with that, we're going to, we're going to top it off. We'll be back next week. Yep. Um I'm hoping to play a bit more Horizon and actually be able to comment more on it than I did this week. And hopefully I'll 100% a game so I can tell you what game I completed. Yeah, you and your achievement hunting. Maybe you'll... Maybe I'll give up starting Monday. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe. <laughs> I, you have been very consistent at saying you're going to play something and then not yes. playing it. Yes. So playing something completely different. So. Yes. We'll be, we'll be, we'll all be sending vibes for you to play Dying Light or something and finish it. We'll see how that goes. I mean, how long did it take me and Matt to beat that game? Because I only played it with him um, about twenty five hours. So you should be able to do that. Yeah, no worries. Yeah, no problem. No problem. But that's going to wrap it up. Thanks everybody for listening to the ABXY Cast this Thank week, you guys. and we will catch you next time.